Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Perimenopause Power Podcast. G'day, Lise. Hello, Natalie. How are we today? I am going super, and we have another wonderful guest in Kerry Ann Hughes. And uh, Dr. Kerry Ann Hughes is a senior lecturer from Massey's School of Nursing in New Zealand. She's a, a Brisbane escapee, so a, a, an honorary Aussie, definitely. And Dr. Hughes is part of an international research team looking at nurses' experience of menopause. And I know that we're going to have a fabulous conversation. Hello, Kerry Ann. Hello. Natalie and Lisa, how are you? Fabulous. So really lovely great. to have you on. Yes, definitely. And our paths actually crossed at the recent Cairns Menopause Summit, which we were both involved in that rapid fire presentation. And, and although we didn't have the opportunity to meet in person, we got to see your presentation online and how fantastic is technology that we can do that. Mm. And we were instantly just um, taken by the work that you're doing for nurses around menopause. And we just, we both looked at each other and thought, yes, we've got to reach out to Carrie Ann and, and have a chat to her and, and get her, and get her on the podcast. So welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. No, it was it was a good um it was a good conference. And I was I'd just come from another conference, not on menopause, but where we were presenting at um a symposium of papers on menopause at the uh Royal College of Nurses Research Conference five days before. Oh wow, you 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 were just rolling on with it. I love it. <laughs> I was actually because it was half past six in the morning in the UK because I was still in the UK when I had to do the question section of that um, the Australian Congress. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, I do remember that. So, where has the interest and the passion of this international research team in looking at nurses' experience of menopause where has that come from, and and what need has it you know really started to highlight? We, we've been working on this um, for over two years now and um, part of it's been delayed because of COVID, because COVID's impacted on a lot of research projects and stuff. But it, it started off with a discussion between um, Professor Rhonda Wilson from the University of Newcastle and um, Professor Camille Cronin at Essex when they had a meet-up at another conference two or three years ago. And, and since then, the team has built. So they um, included a New Zealand arm and that's when I joined in. And then we had um, a Danish arm. So we've got a professor from Denmark, the University of Denmark um, or Tampa. And uh, we've, oh, that's Finland. And then the University of Denmark. And then we've also got Sarah from um, University of Southern Carolina. So we've got this quite broad, and it's quite interesting, different cultures as well, looking at nurses um, in menopause who are experiencing menopause and, and looking at their experiences because we part of it came about through interesting little conversations as it always is those corridor conversations where you know nurses during covid had to um gown up in full ppe now if you're a nurse experiencing menopause and you're having a hot flush oh my goodness it just becomes it's all those little things and so mm. those are the discussions and um that sort of started to become 
more more involved in our conversations. So what we did was we did focus groups with nurses in our own countries. We got ethics and we did focus groups and we've just pulled together um, all the information. And that's what I mean. It took over two years because of the delay with getting participants and um, getting their views and their narratives um, because of COVID. But what was interesting is there's a lot of common common agreement, even from all those different countries, on the experiences that nurses are having with menopause. And it's it's reflective of what women in general are having as well outside of the nursing arena. Mm, yeah, for sure. Can you share some of those common themes that, that come out from the research in their experience? Some of the, some of the common themes were things around the lack of support, um, not just from their work space, but also from their own colleagues because of the lack of understanding of menopause. And my colleague, Rhonda Wilson, quite rightly said, um, one of the problems we've got with menopause is there's a lack of vocabulary. Mm. And this came up too when you we talked about, because we looked at um, women's experiences with their maternal relations and you had comments like, mum moaned, but we never really knew what she was moaning about. So yeah, so you had a lot of um, a lot of uh, nurses recalling their mothers moaning about menopause or moaning about the change of life, but there'd be no real vocabulary around that, mm. no real sort of understanding. And I think the other thing, I mean, a lot of them talked about the symptoms of menopause and how they felt unheard, or nobody seemed to know what to do. And I think what surprised me the most was just there was seemed to be quite a large um, lack of knowledge, mm. even about women who were going through it. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's 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 funny, isn't it? Because that's still that's still happening today, and um, I just find it amazing that we've got all this education that we can be talking about and sharing now. But you know, there's a lot of connection out there not making the connect. Well, not making that connection between if we educate and support you can, you know, you can still do all of these things or you can just, you know, be about your life. And and I, as Natalie and I keep saying, we really are effectively the only, the first generation that's starting to talk about it openly um, and, you know, and women and men just really coming to realise that as well. So it's really sad that, you know, that's the historical um, impact and it's still happening now. And, and I think too, I think part of it, I, I mean, I don't know, but my perception of it would be is that a lot of it, you're right, a lot of it is to do with that generational sort of we don't want to talk about it. And some mm. of that is to do with this modern phenomenon of not wanting to age. Yes. Yeah. When in fact, what you know, Nat and I are very strong believers about flipping that on its head because you know, when you're getting, especially post-menopause, I suppose, and you, you've hopefully got off, uh, you know, around some of those symptoms, which, you know, you can still thrive within, although, you know, it takes a lot of convincing to a lot of women that that can be the case. But you come out to another side of life and you've still, you know, we're living for another 30 years uh, on top of that. So, oh, my God, how exciting is it that, you you know, you don't have, if you've had children, you, your kids, you don't have to worry about bringing kids anymore um, and hopefully you're in good health so you can keep enjoying things. And if you're not in good health, well, then you can look at how that can be turned around. You can concentrate more on your own self as well, not, not necessarily, 
you know, so many others, and a lot of us do probably have aging parents at that time, but it's still a lot more manageable. Yeah, yes. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think too, with with aging comes wisdom. Yes, absolutely. And, and so yeah. I think you're right. But if you can get over that sort of like, oh, I'm getting older relative to life and how we live today, is that a big deal? And yeah. and I think it's, but it's, it is more about, I think for me, it's, and from what I, I got from the woman that we were talking to, the nurses, it's more about, finding those ways because it is a unique situation for most women. Yes, there are common symptoms, hot flushes, brain mm. fog, um, and not everyone experiences them to the same level. Yeah, But I think it's about giving women control back of their bodies or women taking control back of their bodies and also coming up with lots, a wide, what we would say in New Zealand, keti or basket of tools to manage. And it may not, some for some people it will be HRT, for others it won't be. For others it might be around sleeping patterns, managing their nutrition. Mm. You know, for some women they might, you know, they might end up their hot flushes or their restless legs or their their sleep issues might actually be improved with um, a better magnesium uptake. Yeah, absolutely. So it's coming up with that whole range of um um tools for women to look at and use but you're right it's interesting that that information there is still there's a fair bit of that out there but women mm. just don't seem to be picking it up yeah and and we still it was even I'm just trying to think who we spoke to earlier in the week oh yes I do remember and uh, we were we were being interviewed for a um some information with a partnership that we're doing and it was a younger girl and um she really didn't know what perimenopause was and, you know, it was just, it still needs to get out there. And it, I find it frightening that women really don't, um, don't know the, enough about their bodies, you know, and right from the, you know, right from that education viewpoint um, and coming through and it's like, but we tend to know, and I've said this countless of times on other podcasts, we tend to know all about our, you know, our parents, our children, our husband, what's going on with them right down to the letter but when it comes to us, it's a bit of a mystery, right? And and I think you you touched on that as well with some of the things you've written around, you know, the whole um, research element around, you know, not being done on women so much so that we don't have that. And, and that probably, you know, lends to that evidence or that re, um, that understanding around, you know, understand, you know, what what how our bodies function because it's yeah. been done so much on the male body in the past. Well, it was really interesting, not this conference, but the conference before, the Australian Menopause Conference before, there was a whole lot of interesting stuff on COVID and they'd actually started to do some research on women and what they found was that men were more likely to get COVID, men were more likely to be in distress with COVID, women were more likely to get long COVID. Mm. And, and and yeah, and I, I mean, I've sat on ethics committees for seven years now on, on the health ethics committees at my university. I did a couple of terms. And one of the biggest questions we kept asking when they came through was, why is this only men? Mm-hmm. And, of course, the comment, the problem is, is it becomes around you can manage um, variables better with men because they don't have the hormonal variables that you do with women. I mean, there it's the space is starting to change, thank goodness. But, I mean, it's the same with heart attacks. And now, like strokes, you notice that when they talk about heart attacks and strokes, 
women don't get the same sort of chest pain that men do. Yeah. Women get back pain, they get neck pain, they get pain in their shoulder. They don't represent the same way, so often they get missed. Mm. And drug trials are done on men. So mm. yes, yes. So we the it's changing, but it's taking a very very long time. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's that filtering down. You know, you, you'll you'll hear a a research, you know, something that's come up on the radio. So it filters down. So which is great, but you know, if if we don't know what we don't have, do we? Because if we're not doing that research, which we're obviously doing a little bit more of now. But in the past, if we haven't done that research, well, it's not going to filter down through the, you know, PR and advertising, education, you name it. So mm. it's a bit scary. No, it is. And that that probably blew my mind when I learned that, that the fact that in the past, we're, and even today, we're, you know, we're still just doing testing on on male rats or on men. We're not looking at women because of the the volatility and the erratic nature of women. But how do you know if you're not testing on women? How do you know? You know, it's, um, yeah. And I think that's probably where Stacey Sims does encapsulate that in her first book, which was, you know, women are not small men. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. We love, and we I mean, love and I think, that sentence. Yeah, that phrase is a very good one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But um, I think to women, I, I think you're right, you know, coming from that maternal history and stuff like that, women are not comfortable talking about ageing. Mm. And that is part of the problem because often menopause is associated with aging. Yeah, but but yet in other cultures, it's revered as you know as you get older. So we need to take a lot of that into our culture because the society that we live in, that you know, that's also put that ideal out there that is just it's it's thrown in everyone's face. Even even my kids, like the other day, I was I was cooking, I was doing something at the kitchen bench, and I had this black puffer vest over a white windsheeter, and my eldest said, "Mum." you look really young with that on. I'm going, what do you mean? I'm young. Like he goes, oh, maybe younger. Oh, maybe I said the wrong thing. <laughs> Dug himself into a hole, that one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was very polite. So I didn't mean it. I said, it's all right, mate. I just, you know, and I was telling my sister later on, we were having a, a fine old giggle. But it's really true. It's it's thrown in our faces just, you know, from, from the word dot. So it's got to change. Yeah. And we are such a visual society. That's the other problem. Yeah. We are such a visual society, and um, and it's going to take a long time to change that. Mm. But yeah, I think I think one of the biggest issues is there is quite a, and it's a, it's a problem as well because there is quite a lot of information out there, but there's not necessarily a lot of the right information. And and one of the things we're hoping to do is um, the next phase of our research is we're hoping to put together a, a digital app. Um, based with the user groups so with the people that we worked with to to find because some of the, the feedback we got from the nurses was that yes they would be keen to have something because quite often when women at work are experiencing a hot flush and the anxiety that accompanies a hot flush they um they just need time to breathe and yes. they need something to prompt them to breathe mm. so it's that sort of thing and one of the the, the feedback we got was they wanted it to be simple, no more than five things on any sort of, you know, um, a, 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 any sort of like screen they might see. But it, it is that thing of just having, and, you know, you might want to incorporate a little bit of humour or a little bit of something to, to soften it, but mm. something that's going to just prompt them to breathe and just breathing will help reduce the anxiety that comes with a hot flush. Mm. It's yeah. simple things like that. Um, and finding the time to do that because that was the other thing that we noticed was 
nowadays, which is much better for women who are pregnant or had babies, they have spaces for women who want to breastfeed. Correct. But you don't have space for women who might be having a hot flush or just need five minutes just to, hmm. to get their composure back. The best they can do is go to the ladies and hope for the best. Yeah, and then you don't know what kind of, you know, situation or, or what you're walking into in the ladies either. You know, it could I haven't seen so many. I haven't seen very many restful rest rooms around and I, I was a property manager in another life and I can tell you it's really not um you know one of those things that's up there from a design point of view but who knows moving forward um but I love that you said simple and so definitely through the work that Nat and I do especially through our coaching it is around bringing things back to that simple because we tend to um, and I've seen it a lot, especially over the last few years, we tend to want everything quickly and overcomplicate and we want a lot to get a solution when often we don't need a lot. It's the simple things that can really bring that solution about quite quickly. It's um, also, and it goes back to what you're saying, yeah, people, we have a society that is anti-aging and mm, wants a quick fix. Yeah. And often it's like anything. Menopause is one of those things where you need to manage it on a day-to-day basis with little changes and seeing what works yeah so that you gain control because it's actually all about gaining control back yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and I do love that because Nat and I have done a lot this week we, we did a a workshop earlier in the week this week sorry Nat I'm just I keep chatting but um it's really such a great conversation Kerry um we talked about thriving in menopause at this workshop and I think that there's a real piece there in relation to helping women see that they can thrive at this phase of life. But it the key thing is recognising what your symptoms are, getting on top of it, understanding that you're going to have some ebbs and flows. Like you might get on top of it and you might fall back off the, the merry-go-round and then you've just got to get back on. But it's really powerful understanding and, and knowing about it so that you can have that thriving. And what does thriving look, you know, what do you have to see, feel, do, whatever it is, to be in that thriving state and that's real I think that's really the crux of it is 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 also switching that mindset around also and it is and it is and it it does come back again to what you're saying around the simple Mm. because what you get sometimes is people trying too hard to thrive do you know what I mean yes like they they, they suddenly make that a goal when actually it's a lot of just little incremental successes yeah yeah and so it's defining what that success looks like to them or trying to get those words that don't suddenly put women into a high um, state of stress Mm. yeah that's it because then it then becomes a bit more it becomes a chore again or it becomes something I should do or I have to do and and you actually lose the whole substance of what you're trying to do in the first place Mm. so yeah that that simplicity is really important So this week is actually World Menopause Day, Tuesday, October 18th. And the theme for this year, which we absolutely love, is cognition and mood, with a core focus being on understanding brain fog and memory difficulties in menopause. And and we've spoken before as well, and, and you've written an article about, you know, the misconception around menopause and how it's managed and how it can sometimes be viewed purely as a, a mental health concern. We'd love yeah. to get your take on that and, and what you've seen and, you know, become aware of around this, you know, very important topic. Um, the the reason I, I we, we broke that was because my colleague, when they first did the literature review that preceded the start of our qualitative study, 
um, when they were trying to get it published, they kept getting told to take it to mental health journals. Mm. I mean, it did eventually get published in a really well-recognised um, nursing journal, The Collegian, but uh, initially they were struggling to get it published and it was like, why is it considered a mental health issue? This is a natural state of a woman's life. And yes, some women have severe symptoms and they can be quite debilitating, but it's not a mental health issue. And so that's where that sort of came from. And um, cognition and brain fog are, are symptoms of many things, not just um, when you're having a, a, a sympathetic nervous system response to something. And so, um, like, people got brain fog in COVID. You didn't suddenly see people running out saying that they had mental health issues because it, it, it was sort of because the brain fog that people get in menopause is little it's small it's episodic it's it's just occasionally they're feeling a bit overwhelmed their hormones are all out of whack and so it makes it difficult to focus and concentrate um and that happens to the best of us at any times if people are suffering a little bit of anxiety due to something but often this is because they've had a sympathetic nervous system response they've had a hot flush everything just is a bit overwhelming um and things seem to be you know, and again, breathing just brings that down. Um, nutrition's another one that they can, you know, use to. So I, I suppose that's where that started. It started with the fact that they struggled to get it published and we started thinking, well, why is it considered um, a mental health issue or, or, or why does it seem to be considered? And I also think part of that is in the history because if you think about it, way back in the history, we only had men as doctors what did women get diagnosed with? Nerves. Now, they weren't far wrong because it is based on hormones. And as I say, it's, just, it's based on changes in your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. But so, but they put it down to the nerves of women. Mm. And I think that legacy in itself has caused some problems because then that got associated with states of mental being, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look back, if you even go back further in history, it's no wonder that we're living with some of the so out of date ideals around it now you know I mean at one stage we were considered witches like you know you know once 50 plus it's just it's diabolical some of the stuff that you read and scary all at the same time yeah well anything to do with blood and periods and menses and I mean to be it is scary because even in Africa today you've still got issues around taboo yeah. black magic and stuff so all that lack of understanding of the, and it goes back to the original conversation we started with, that lack of understanding of the woman's body. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we've, we've come up. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're we up against really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the real crux of it, isn't it? And, and that's part of, you know, this podcast and the work that we're doing. And of course, the wonderful research work that you're doing and a lot of universities around the globe are doing because, there definitely is a gap. A gap's been identified that there is that lack of knowledge and understanding. And we've spoken before too around we're very much a reactive society. Mm. So we we don't look at prevention. We don't look at health. We don't look at building our, I talk a lot about that internal resource kit that we can pull on these things when we need them um, or even being aware of what we need to do today to support ourselves in the future. It's it's not something that we we always worry about it when we get to it and you think you know the Australian mentality is she'll be right mate you know we'll we'll worry about it when the time comes and I think that's a really good point because I actually think that well, especially in Australia 
that's how women do operate. Oh, um, you know, even slight, you know, even as women are going into perimenopause and they have some slight changes to to their period, for instance, they think, oh, I'm too stressed, I'm too tired, I'm too this, but they don't put it down to I'm actually starting perimenopause. And then it starts getting louder and louder for them until it really starts screaming at them. And then they think, oh, gee, maybe I better relook at this when it's just been, you know, bubbling away. So I'll just be right. I'll just get on with life and I'll keep my busyness and my sleepiness going. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the other thing is where it's why it's becoming more noticeable is we have got huge amounts of women in the workforce and like for nursing, a lot of them are in that 45 to 65 age gap. Mm. And so you're getting a lot of women who are experiencing premenopause and menopause that are big, that, that contribute a lot to the workforce demographics. Yeah. And so it's now becoming a very important topic to understand in terms of workplace well-being. Mm. Yeah. Highlighting again that very, very much important need of bringing this into the workplace and and addressing it and, and offering that support and that education and not just for the women we talk it's not just a women's issue in inverted commas it's it's a human issue and it, it does touch every single person because we all know a woman who will go through it or is going through it so how can we all be that support for each other yeah because I, I mean that was some of the, some of the research came up with how the younger peers um, in the workplace, like because we've got intergenerational nurses, you know, you've got younger nurses, older nurses, whatever, um, their lack of understanding of what's happening when someone's going through menopause and they, they haven't experienced it, they're not interested in it. And so when someone's having a hot flush and they're turning the temperatures up in the offices and, mm-hmm. it's, it, and it's just that whole lack of understanding and awareness um, and it goes back to what you were saying before. People tend to be, I'm busy, I'm tired, and I only want to know what impacts on me. Yeah, yeah. Rather than that sort of slightly more, let's just be a little. I mean, it did come out a little bit more during COVID. That little bit about let's be a bit kinder mm. and a bit more aware of what's going on outside of ourselves. I'm not sure that it's just kept going along that line, though. No, it hasn't. It it sort mm. of. It started okay, but it's not something that I don't I couldn't trundle along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just an, I feel like we've come back with a vengeance to some aspects of pre-COVID and how we used to think, work, feel, all those kinds of things, but even 10 times more because there's a lot of people feeling like they're in catch-up mode as well. So that certainly hasn't helped people with their own general health. And I think I think too for women, particularly in their 40s and 50s it's at a time because they tend to rise through the ranks later because of the inequities in workforce um that they're one of the reasons that they push through all this and they don't want to know perhaps about menopause or or they sort of sideline it is that they're trying to still establish themselves or they're trying to their career they're very career focused Mm. there's nothing wrong with that but it's very, very hard then because you're not going to talk about that because it's still not regarded. It's it's sort of almost like it's regarded as a weakness or it's it's something that it will impact on your career. Mm-hmm. And I suppose because women have women have also come through where they've had gaps in their career because they've taken time off to have kids, look after children, they don't suddenly want to then come back in and then have to say, oh, I need a bit of time off because of this. Yep. 
Yep. There's, so there's some of that going on, I suspect. Mm, yeah, but yet if the education and support was there, they could, you know, you would hope it could get to a point where they could actually say, oh, I need the time off. And, and you know, whether that be, uh, you know, a menopause poly policy or a, a whole health policy that covers a number of other things, um, you know, obviously the jury's out on what that looks like because there's some people saying, you know, it's suicide and some people saying it's a great idea. So uh, we're watching that space very closely. Yeah, yeah, no, and it is one to watch, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Fabulous. What a conversation. So we've got one other question for you, which we tend to wrap up our podcast around that, and and that's just highlighting that this podcast is about inspiring women to come into their own power and really nurture and use that power we'd love to hear from you what does coming into your own power as a woman mean to you or, or what have you done through your your journey in your life um for me it, it is about putting in strategies or working through some ways of taking back control um and and, and making and simplifying simplifying my life um, my life, uh, like you guys, I'm really, really busy. Um, I have older parents. I have 20 year olds that one's still at home. So you get that squeeze. But it's about sort of making sure you do take time out for yourself, mm. that you you do speak to yourself like you're speaking to a friend, which we don't do. No, not enough. No. And, um, and I think for thriving, it, it, it is about finding that balance that we don't have to be all things to all people. Yeah. I and like I think, yeah, yeah, well, that's what happens, isn't mm, it? Yeah. When you're yeah. in your 30s and you're raising up kids and you're trying to be the perfect mother and you're trying to be the perfect employee and you're trying to be the perfect best friend and the perfect wife or partner. You know? mm, mm, <laughs> and your house has got to look at yeah, your house and your house has got to look immaculate, you know. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. We put ourselves under so much unnecessary stress, don't we, without even realizing it sometimes, I think. Yeah. And 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 it takes the enjoyment out of life because it goes back to what you were saying. It becomes this chore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's about finding that balance and being but being comfortable with it. You've got to be comfortable. Nothing there's no one right way ever. No. And that's a really, that's actually a really good learning um, and a um, quote, actually. There's no one right way ever. I love that. Yeah, no, there isn't. No. 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 And it's got to be, it's got to be your way. It's what yeah. works for you. And, yeah. And that's, that's why we're in coaching because we get to support people to, to bring in what they want in their life and what it looks like for them. Which I might add goes back to the shooting. Mm. You know, it's not what, whilst it's your way, don't think you have to do it a way that someone else will give you their approval. You're not looking for anyone's tick of approval. Just do what's going to work for you. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing, though, is to make sure you do get good advice because there is a lot of, there is a lot of, um, like everything these days, there's so much now on social media, and I think that's the other thing. Women get overwhelmed with the amount of information that's out there. Mm. So, like, I mean, I know in Australia you guys have the Jean Hales Foundation. Yes, that's a really good spot for good evidence-based yeah. information. And yeah. that's that's the key really is making sure that you're getting the information that you need is is evidence-based, it's well-supported, it's been rigorously researched. Mm, yeah, really important. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, thank you so much, Kerry Ann. This has been an amazing conversation and I'm sure our listeners will get a lot from it. But yeah, thank you. Really appreciate your time and we wish you well with your research and look forward to staying connected. Yes, lovely. Thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. Thank you, Carrie Ann. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.